Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. Greetings in Jesus' mighty name. A very precious, warm, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are in the house. Hallelujah. A big shout out to all the fathers. We thank God for you. Hallelujah. We thank God for you being Jesus in the home. We thank God for you being an example to your family, to your children. We thank God for you being available to raise another generation that loves God. And all those that are watching online, uh, I just want to pray a blessing over you. You know, some of us have had the privilege of growing up under godly fathers. And we've had them as an example. And we thank God for them. So if you have, you know, just... Just thank God for them in your heart, and if, you, if they're around, you can just reach out to them and tell them how much you appreciate them. And for those of you that have not had the privilege to grow up under godly fathers, I want you to know Jesus is a beautiful example. He's always there to model it out for us. As you are growing to be fathers, or if you are leading people or walking, uh, you know, becoming an example to another generation, I believe the Father, Heavenly Father, is always going to be there as an example for you. Let me just say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for all these precious fathers that are in the house today. I thank you, Father, for your anointing upon them. I thank you for your love, and I pray you pour out the heaven's wisdom and heaven's grace upon them. Father, many of them who... Lord God, who are uh, running this course of being a father, Lord, I pray that they will look to you as an example, that we all would be able to see you as a great example in all things. Father, to love unconditionally, to model and to lead from the front. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Today we are, um, we are going to Take, I'm going to, we've come to the last part of a series that I've been teaching called uh, Living a Life in the Holy Spirit. You know, walking with the Holy Spirit or living a life in the... What are the signs of walking in the Holy Spirit? So we, were, we, we saw that the New Testament Christian life, actually an exciting New Testament Christian life is a Holy Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. And God wants every child of God in the house of God, in the New Covenant life, to be spirit-filled and to be spirit-led. And yet many people do not know this life. They don't know the joy of walking in this life. And that's why they're far poorer. I, I was thinking, you know, the other day I, was, I just met somebody. They were trying to make ends meet. They were trying to pay loans off. And small amounts, they get a meager salary. And uh, they're thinking and trying to do in every small way they know how they could make ends meet. When I saw that person... It suddenly came to my mind how differently a millionaire who's turned a pauper still thinks. Maybe someone was a millionaire. I also have friends who were millionaires and at one time. And then they came, they got broke because of the market conditions. And they lost everything. But the difference was the millionaire who turned a pauper was still thinking like a millionaire. Every thought in their mind was different, was on another plane, was another level. And what came to my mind was also this. Even those that are walking with the Holy Spirit, maybe they've come to a place in life where they're not walking with the Spirit of God anymore. But if at one time they have experienced it, they know what they can grow right back into. Hallelujah. They can walk into that kind of a life. And God wants us as a church to live a Spirit-filled life. 
So um, we saw that over the last many weeks, we've been seeing different signs of walking in the Spirit. How do I know that I'm a spiritual Christian and I'm living a life walking in the Holy Spirit? Unless I have some, some signs by which I would know whether I'm living a spiritual life. I'd like to know those signs because every born again person claims to be walking in the Spirit. Well, what are some signs? And I'm going to quickly run through you the 13 signs we did so far and then take the last three signs today. So if I walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, firstly, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you and I walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We will not walk according to the flesh. And that's one of the signs we saw. A second sign we saw was that anybody walking a life, a living a life in the Holy Spirit would worship in the Spirit. Would open their mouths and, and begin to have a spirit-filled worship. A third sign we saw was that a spirit-filled person would, would live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. It's an exciting life. We would hear the voice of God. We know what God wants for our life. That we can look to Him as Father and Father would give us instructions and directions how to live a spirit-filled life. A fourth sign we saw of a child of God that is walking a life in the Spirit, would, would be that this child of God would live a life witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. They would share the gospel to people. If I'm living a spiritual life, one of the things that would happen is that as a child of God, I would be led by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus Christ. A fifth sign we saw, that if we're living a spiritual life, is that every child of God that lives a spiritual life would pray in the Holy Spirit would know what it means to pray in the Spirit, would, be, would, would, have, would intercede in the Holy Spirit. A sixth sign we saw was that we would not resist the work of the Holy Spirit. That a child of God that is living a spiritual life does not want to stand against, will not resist. God, if you want to do this, I don't want to stand in the way. I want to stand with you. I want to walk with what you're walking. I want to do what you're doing. I will not resist the work of the Holy Spirit. A seventh sign we saw that, that of a, a spirit-filled Christian would be that he would not quench the Holy Spirit. Would not put, what is quench? To put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Every spirit-filled Christian will be on fire for God. Will be a blaze for God. Hallelujah. And so if we are losing the fire of the Holy Spirit, if we are losing the passion of the Holy Spirit upon, upon our life, we are quenching the Spirit's fire and we know we are not walking with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, resist not the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Holy Spirit. And then another sign we saw was that if we are living a spiritual life, we would not grieve the Holy Spirit. We would not do things with our life that would grieve the Holy Spirit. That would break the Holy Spirit's heart. When that, and, and, and every spiritual Christian will constantly long to bring joy to the Father's heart. A ninth sign we saw is that if we live a spiritual Christian life, we will see things in the Holy Spirit. We saw that from Revelation and Acts 5 and various different. How would move in the gifts and, and have revelation gifts and because the Spirit of God wants to reveal things to us. And we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That every child of God that is spirit-filled constantly receives and hears from the Holy Spirit. You can be led by the Holy Spirit, walking, hearing the voice of God. A child of God that walks in the Holy Spirit, one of the signs of walking in the Holy Spirit is that we would do the will of God. Everything in our heart would say, come on, let's do the will of God. You'd wake up every morning telling yourself, I am alive so that I can do the will of God. 
A twelfth sign we saw was that our eyes would be open to revelation. That our eyes would be open to revelation from God's word. Because every time we are walking with the spirit, God's word comes alive in a mighty way. Those were twelve. And the thirteenth one we saw last week, the the previous week was that if I am living a spirit-filled life, that I would allow the Holy Spirit to transform me. And if I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to transform my life, I am resisting the work of the Holy Spirit and I'm not living a spiritual life. Today I want to take the last three points, even as I've been taking on the series of us living a spiritual life. The next sign of a Holy Spirit-filled life, how do we know that I am Spirit-filled and Spirit-led? How, how am, I, am I walking with the Holy Spirit? The next sign you know is that every child of God that is walking with the Holy Spirit knows what it means to speak in new tongues. Every child of God that walks with the Holy Spirit experiences the gift of speaking in new tongues. Let me take that little detail this morning. Acts in chapter 2 and verse 4. And I'm taking this in detail specifically because there are many people who do not have a clarity about this. And there are all kinds of teachings, especially you get on the net, there are all kinds of things you need to know as a shepherd in the church. I want to teach you this clearly. Acts 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you all, can you say with me, all? Say it again, all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When you look in the Bible, there are two experiences with the Holy Ghost. One experience where the Bible says, and the Spirit of God in them. The Spirit of God in them. No one can say Jesus Lord unless the Holy Spirit is in you. The Spirit of God in them. Another experience of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God came upon them. Amen. So two different things we see in the Bible. Two different encounters. One is, one is like a well experience where you go to the Holy Spirit, drink for your personal growth. And the other one, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. When you look in the Bible, these things are there. Let me not get too much into that, but let me look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This was a gift that God was now giving his church. And in this gift, the Bible is saying, you see, it was not that God was taking people's tongues and making them speak. The Bible says that each one, they spoke But the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance to speak. Hallelujah. I want you all to keep your mouth shut for a while. But keep as with your mouth closed. Can you speak to me in English please? Go ahead. Can you speak to me in English? Even though there are thoughts or utterances that are thoughts that are in your mind. You are unable to speak. The source of your thoughts are from the mind. But the speaking comes when you decide to open your mouth and speak. In the same way, Acts 2 and verse 4 says, And they all spoke, the people spoke, as the Spirit gave them utterance. When we speak in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us utterance, but it is we who open our mouth and speak those different languages. Now what happens over here? Let's look at the five accounts in the book of Acts. You see, five different accounts in the book of Acts, we look at where the Holy Spirit fell upon people. Firstly, Acts chapter 2, it was Pentecost. And that's what we just saw. What happened in Acts in chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4? It says, the Bible says, they were all, 120 of them were gathered in one place, and they were all praying and worshipping, and while they were worshipping God, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Can you say that? Upon them. 
The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And the Bible says there were three things that happened in Acts 2. Firstly, there was a mighty rushing wind. Secondly, there were tongues of fire. And thirdly, the Bible says, and they all begin to speak in new tongues. So there were three signs in Acts in chapter 2. And that was the day of Pentecost. So when the Holy Spirit outpouring happened on Pentecost, there were three signs. And one of which was they spoke in tongues. The second episode where you see in the book of Acts, where they received the Holy Spirit outpouring was in Acts in chapter 8. The city setting is Samaria. Philip the evangelist has gone there and he's preaching the gospel. Many people turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And after there was great rejoicing in the city, after many turned to him, they send for Peter and John and they come to Samaria and they ask them, you've not received the Holy Ghost. The Bible says they lay hands on the disciples and the people whom they lay hands on, they all received the gift of tongues. I want you to look with me in Acts in chapter 8 because this is some of the scriptures you need to be familiar with to be clear about this topic. In Acts and chapter 8 in Samaria, and the Bible says, and verse 17, in 8 and verse 17, then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So the apostles were laying their hands, and people were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw, everybody says saw, when someone sees something, there's something tangible, isn't that? Something visually available, correct? So Simon the sorcerer, who had turned to God, the Bible is saying that he saw something visual, something his eyes could comprehend. There was something that he was able to comprehend with his senses. When Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of hands, he offered them money. If it was just some invisible, oh, okay, by faith, now you've received the Holy Spirit. If it was just something invisible, why would Simon pay money for that? He saw some power. He saw some manifestation. He saw some experience that the people were having. When Simon saw, everybody say saw. So in Samaria, we do not see, it's not mentioned that anybody spoke in tongues, but it is clearly mentioned there was a visible, tangible sign. Alright, that's Acts in chapter 8. The third mention that we have is in Acts in chapter 9. Where Apostle Paul, the Bible says, and then he has the disciple, Jesus tells and then he has, I want you to go and pray for Paul and that he will receive his sight back and that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Acts in chapter 9, we see, that's, that's in verse 17 again, we see that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he tells Paul that God has sent me to lay hands on you for this. But immediately there fell from his eyes something scales. He regained his sight. He arose and was baptized. But it does not say anything about him speaking in new tongues. But I want you to look at Acts in chapter 14 for a minute. And I want you to look at Acts in chapter, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. And I want you to look at verse 18. Look what it says. It says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Which means Apostle Paul, even though in Acts 9 it's not mentioned he spoke in tongues, we know from 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul spoke with the gift of tongues. The fourth mention of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues is in Acts in chapter 10. This is setting for many of you who know the scriptures already. It's Cornelius' household. Verse 44, the Bible says he was in Cornelius' household. He was preaching the gospel to Cornelius and his people while he's preaching. Acts in chapter 10 and verse 40, 
44 onwards. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those that were listening to the message. And the Bible says, was, uh, and, uh, and, and it says, verse 45, and all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. Now it says, for the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. And he's qualifying by the next verse. How did they say that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles? Look at the next verse. It says, for they heard them. They were hearing them speak with tongues. They're saying the reason they say that the gift of the Spirit was poured out was because they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answered. Look at what he says. And then Peter answered and said, in verse 46, For they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. And surely no one can refuse water for these who are baptized, who received the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this verse. Just, read the rest for me. Just as we did. He's telling in Cornelius' household, he's saying, these people have received the Holy Spirit just as. But when did Peter receive it? Acts and 2. How did they receive it? Fire, wind, and tongues. But Peter is saying in Acts and chapter 10, these people, they just spoke in tongues, but they have received the Holy Spirit just as. We have received it. Can you see that? What is he qualifying? He's saying, he's saying, for they heard them here speaking in tongues. So this gift was given to them in Acts in chapter 10. And then in Acts in chapter 11, look what happens. And verse 17, Peter is called to give an explanation to the Jerusalem council. In Acts in chapter 11, and in verse 17, uh, verse 15, and then verse 17. Verse 15 says, and he's explaining to them, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Look what it says next. Just as. Can you say just as? Say again, just as. Just as means exactly in the same way. Like in Acts 2, Peter is saying, just as it fell on us in Acts 15, in Acts 11:15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us in the beginning. Acts 2 was the beginning. When he's saying exactly and Acts 2 happened, but there was no wind, there was no fire, but the common sign was tongues. Look at 17. And if God therefore gave to them the same gift, what gift? Same gift. That was the Holy Spirit. He gave them the same gift. So there is no argument that Acts 2 was a different gift. Acts 10 is a different gift. It was the same gift Peter was saying. He gave the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus. Who was I that I could stand in the way? What was the same gift? The same gift was that they all spoke in tongues. Hallelujah. When you study the word of God, a lot of people do not understand how to understand the scriptures clearly. We see in Acts 10, the God, there was a sign, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in new tongues. Acts 19 is the next portion we see. In Acts 19, we see John's disciples. The Bible says that Paul was passing by a particular place and John's disciples were there. And he, Paul tells him, have you received the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine? That's something he was asking them. Oh, you're John's disciples. Have you received the Holy Ghost? 
Because it was so important in the church of God. That a spirit-filled life, that God wanted every child of God to live a spirit-filled life. Hallelujah. It's so important that Paul would care to ask, have you received the Holy Spirit? Many of us would stop at, have you received Jesus? No stopping with Paul. He wouldn't stop at, have you receiving Jesus? He said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And I believe we need to ask those same questions today. That Apostle Paul asked in those days. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard of such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says, when Paul had laid his hands, Acts 19.6. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. So we see in Acts 19, there was tongues and prophecy. In John's disciples. Acts 10. Cornelius house. There was only tongues. Acts 2. There was wind. There was you know tongues of fire. And there was speaking in new tongues. In Acts 9. Apostle Paul when uh, Ananias lay hands on him. We see that there was no, nothing mentioned. But Paul says. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. With all of this. We can safely conclude. According to Acts 10, Acts 11, where Cornelius household and the explanation he gives to the Jerusalem council, we can safely conclude that in Acts 8, the, the visible sign that Simon saw was that they all spoke in new tongues. Hallelujah. So these are the five accounts. Why did I explain this? Because we need to understand that God wants every one of his children to speak in new tongues. Because it's a powerful experience. Why should we speak in new tongues? One, because the Bible says in Jude and verse 20, build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When we speak in new tongues, there is a spiritual battery charging that goes on in our spirit man. For those of us that have prayed in tongues all our life, we know we love the gift of tongues. Why? Because it's a prayer language. How many of you parents love your children? Wave at me. You love your children? Would you give some gifts only to one child and not give it to the other? You'd say, no, today I'll give you food only to you. I want you to be edified, but I don't want you to be edified. Would you do that? If you wouldn't do that, how much more would Heavenly Father not give, you know, the gift of prayer language to one and not to another? Now, some of you might say, wait a minute, that's a gift to build the church, isn't it? Isn't tongues a gift to build the church? Let's look at that. Why should everybody walk in the Holy Spirit and have this gift of tongues? When you look in the Word of God, turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Very important portion for us to understand. And for many people, people don't understand this context. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. Alright, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. So 13, you all know the scripture, it's about love, right? 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12, you all know the beginning part is about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14, you know, that's the portion that says two very strange little parts. Oh, if there is no interpretation, you must not speak in tongues. It's also the portion that says, I want women to keep silent in church. Now, those are some of the portions that people grapple around with. People, women remain silent. But a good student of God's word, if you study the word of God properly, you will understand 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 were instructions to the church how to operate, especially church, chapter 14, how to operate in the church service. Listen to me carefully. When we take verses out of context, how many of you have been quoted by somebody out of context, right? 
right? <laughs> if you've been quoted by somebody out of context, you want them to, you know, you said, that's not what I meant. And yet we are taking Paul 2,000 years later, written to some church at some point. He's intending to instruct order, godly order in the church. And instead of us taking that, we've taken that one line out and said, I want women to keep silent in church. I do not permit any woman to speak. And we take the one out. Ah, nobody should speak in tongues. Let me show you what the Bible says. We must understand that there are five different kinds of tongues. Everybody say five different kinds of tongues. I'll explain why. I want you to stay with the word of God. All right. And I want, you know, throw those scriptures up as fast as possible, faster than me, if possible. All right. I want you to turn to first Corinthians in chapter 12. And I want you to look at verse 28. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then, go ahead, read with me, then miracles, then gifts of healing, and then helps, administrations, and what is that? Say that again, please. Various kinds of, what does various kinds of tongues mean? It means... Various kinds of tongues. That's what it means. It means it's not one kind of tongues. It's diverse. In fact, the Greek, the word is diverse kinds of tongues. Different kinds of tongues. And I want you to look at this carefully because I'm going to build from here. Okay, so we've seen that diverse kinds of tongues. And then it says in 29, are not all apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now, then he comes to chapter 13 where he's talking about love. Let me show you a better way. Alright? He says, all do not speak in these, do they? But earnestly desire. He says that the gifts of God can be desired. Everybody said desire. The gifts of God can be desired. And he's telling the church, I want you to earnestly desire it. Now look, get to chapter 14 and verse 1. Because it's so important, these verses. Many people read these scriptures without understanding context. 1 Corinthians 14, what is the context? Everybody say with me, order in the church. Alright, let's look at chapter 14 with order in the church. Now verse 1, pursue love. He's saying, I just spoke to you about 1 Corinthians 13. I've explained to you it's about walking in love. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love, yet, yet what? Yet what? Yet not just desire. Earnestly desire or eagerly desire, which means there must be a desire in our heart for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to desire it. And when you desire it, God wants to give it to you. And it says, especially that you may, okay, go with me, please, that you might prophesy. He's saying, I want you to desire that you can prophesy. Is that a good desire? That's a good desire, alright. Now he says, he explains why. For the one who speaks in tongues, what does he do? Does not speak to, but to. Okay, get this clear. The one who is speaking in tongues is speaking to whom? God. Are you sure? You're speaking to God, right? And not to? Then why do you want interpretation? Come on. Why exactly do you want interpretation if you're speaking to God and not to men? You think God needs interpretation? Then who needs interpretation? But you're speaking to God. So what's the interpretation for? Alright, let's go. Alright. In Acts 2, 
the Holy Spirit fell on people, correct? And who heard them speak in tongues? Who heard? The people out there, right? And they heard them in, in their languages, right? Why did they hear them in their languages when they're speaking to God? Come on, help me. Why, why did people, 15 or 17 people groups, hear them speaking in their languages if speaking in tongues is speaking only to God? Everybody say, diverse kinds of tongues. Amen. So the ministry of this gift of tongues is not just one kind. Let me build on this. Look at this. It says in verse 2, For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. For what? For no one. How did they understand in Acts and chapter 2? If no one understands, when Bible says no one understands, it means? No one understands. How did they understand in Acts 2? Come on. Yeah, there we go. It's not just one kind of tongues. Look at this. No one understands and says, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation and, cons- and consolation. One who speaks in tongues, what does he do? Edifies. If So tongues is for what? What? Edifying? Then why should someone else understand? What, then why? See, you, you need to get this. So one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Edifies whom? One who prophesies edifies? Help me. Come on. Edifies? Edifies? Are you sure? 100%? Let's go forward. Don't change your word, alright? The one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now I wish how many of you spoke in tongues? All? How many is Paul desiring should speak in tongues? How many? How many? All. Now, in Acts chapter 2, 120 in the upper room, how many spoke in tongues? In Acts and chapter 8, how many of them that they laid hands on? They all received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 9, Paul, did he receive it? In Acts 10, Cornelius household, how many received? The Bible says all who listened to the message received the Holy Ghost. Acts 17, how many received? All of them receive. Whenever we look, he says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Okay, who is greater? Okay, the one who prophesies. Hold it. Hold your horses. Unless he interprets, which means if you speak in tongues and you interpret, that means it is like being a prophet. Now, come back to the context. The context is order in the church. 1 Corinthians 14 is written for order in the church. Now let's go forward. Okay, I want you to look at verse 22. I love this. Look at verse 22. Come on, come on. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Let's go. Let's go. What does it say? So then, read it with me. Tongues are a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Tongues are for? Hey, wait a minute. Tongues are for? Come on, help me guys. Tongues are for? But who speaks in tongues and edifies whom? We say, so who is the unbeliever now? Wait a minute. Tongues are signed for whom? For unbelievers. Go ahead. What does it say? But prophecy is for a sign. Not to unbelievers, but to. Okay, prophecy is for. Prophecy is for. 
Prophecy is saw. And tongues is saw. But what did we just read in 1 Corinthians 14? Verse 2. For one who speaks in tongue does not speak to men but to God. No one understands. And how can the unbeliever understand? Amen. You have to read the Bible for what it's worth. Now let's go ahead. 22. I love this. Tongues are a sign for unbelievers. And what does it say? It says, but prophecy is signed not for unbelievers, but believers. Verse 23. If therefore the whole church should be assembled together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your... Come on, wait a minute. Tongues is a sign for... And if the whole church gathers and believers are speaking in tongues and an unbeliever enters, will they say you are out of your... Why should they say out of your mind if it's a sign for unbelievers? Sorry, if they're not understood, that's not our fault. Because the Bible says it's a sign for unbelievers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen to me. You will never understand this unless you understand the scripture. There are different kinds of tongues. Now, go ahead, look at the next verse, 23. If the whole church should assemble together and all speak in tongues, ungifted men, unbelievers enter, will they not say you out of your mind? But if all prophesy, if all And an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by. But wait a minute, prophecy is a sign for. Now an unbeliever comes in and he is getting convicted with a gift that is supposed to be for the believer. Can you see the apparent contradictions that it looks like in the scripture? Unless you understand that tongues with interpretation equals prophecy. This is why Paul is saying, if anyone speaks in tongues, I want you to understand that gift is for you, between you and God. But, you know, let's look at that scripture. What does it say over here? It says, now look at 1 Corinthians 14. These are important scriptures. I want you to go forward with me from verse, um, verse, 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 verse 14. Verse 14. For if I speak and pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I shall pray in the spirit, I'll pray in mind, I'll sing in the spirit, I'll sing in my mind. Now look at verse 13. I thank God, I speak in tongues more than you all. However, everyone say however. However. See, this is the key part of First Corinthians 14, that if you miss this, you've missed everything. Everyone say however. What does the next word say? However, in the church, I'm looking at verse 19. Verse uh, 19. What does it say? However... In the church, where I desire to speak five words with my mind, so that I may instruct others. Now, many people take this verse and they say, however, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind than speak 10,000 words in a tongue. But Paul is saying, in order to instruct the church. You know what the Corinthian church people are doing? Pastors would walk up to the front and they would preach a message in tongues. Paul is saying, what rubbish are you doing? What is the point of you speaking in tongues without an interpretation? Because people are not being edified. i rather speak five intelligible words where the church is edified. Everyone say, however, in the church. You see, i rather speak five intelligible words for what? To 
instruct others which means when you teach in the church when you instruct when you bring prophetic word to the church when you're releasing a prophecy in tongues it has to be with instru- interpretation if not hold your peace now look at the rest look what it says it says however that you know that that you must uh, i rather speak five hundred to instruct others rather than 10000 words in a tongue now look at verse um, verse 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 20 27 if anyone speaks in a tongue it should be by two or three, the most three, each of them, and let one interpret. Which means if somebody is bringing an instruction in the godly church service and speaking in tongues, let that be done in order and let there be an interpreter. But, look at the next verse. But if there is no interpreter, if there is no interpreter, what are we supposed to do? Let him keep silent in the, where? In the church and what? Let him keep silent in the church and what? And speak. And let him speak between. Which means in the church, if there is no interpretation for the message brought to edify the church, let him be silent and let him not. Doesn't mean just keep quiet. What does it say? Let him be silent and let him speak between him and. That means in the church, can we use the tongues for personal worship? Amen. Let him speak to himself and God. That is why we pray in tongues in our church services. That is why we worship in tongues in our church services. Because Paul said in verse 14, I pray in a tongue, but my spirit prays. My mind is unfruitful. But verse 15, I shall pray with the spirit. I shall pray also with the mind. I will what? Sing with the spirit and I shall also So can we sing in tongues in our worship services? Yes. But if you are bringing a prophetic word in tongues, there has to be an interpretation. Otherwise, hold your peace. Now, are you clear that we can worship God in tongues in our church services? This is how we can sing in tongues. We can sing in, you know, in, in, with our mind. We can pray in tongues. We can also pray in our mind. But if you're bringing an instruction to the church, a teaching to the church, you have to hold your peace. This is what it says. But let me close with this particular part of this, on this particular aspect. I want you to look at verse 39. Look at verse 39. Oh, by the way, women shall remain silent in church. That part is also in church service. You better hold your peace. Let's not have any confusion. Church service has to be with order. There are many, many reasons why I'm explaining this. I don't have time to take that in whole detail. Many parts of the world, they say that women have to keep silent. Women have no role. Women have nothing. If women had no role, why is it that Jesus would send Mary Magdalene? Go and tell the apostles that I've risen from the dead. Why would he send the Samaritan woman? Go, go tell the city that, that you know, that the, the, the Messiah has come. The, if you t- the devil knows if he can keep the women silent in the church. He's taken 60% of the church force, task force out of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He's paralyzed the whole church of God. And if women remain silent, trust me, men won't open their mouth. The biggest challenge with men is to get them to open their mouth. So men won't open their mouth, women remain silent, and we've got a muted kingdom. This is why there has to be godly order. What is the godly order? In the church. If the women want to learn something, go ask your husbands at home. Don't cause confusion in the church. It's not talking about women don't have a grace gift from heaven. 
It's not talking about God doesn't want to use women. It's not talking about God is not giving gifts to women. It's not talking about God is not calling women into the ministry. I believe the Bible says he ascended on high, Ephesians 4, and he gave gifts to men. That word men is not men in the Greek. It's he gave gifts to mankind. Amen. And he gave some to be apostles, some in mankind to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. So the second kind we saw, we saw there's a tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a second one, tongues with interpretation. We just saw that, tongues with interpretation. And this gift has to be with interpretation. This is a gift for instruction or prophecy or releasing an edification to the church. And if there is no interpretation, go ahead and speak between you and God. Third kind of tongues. Everyone said diverse kinds of tongues. Third kinds of tongues is called unknown tongues. What is unknown tongues? That is when someone speaks, the listener understands it in his own language. That's what happened in Acts in chapter 2. The listeners heard it in their language. If the tongues could be heard in their own language, why do we need interpretation? If we need interpretation, then why is it that there are listeners hearing it in their own language? Unless you understand there are different kinds of tongues. So they learn here in their own language. That's called unknown tongues. A fourth kind of tongues is called tongues for intercession. Romans in chapter 8, verse 26, 27. For we do not know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit himself begins to pray through us with utterance and groans we cannot utter. That means when we begin to pray in tongues, there is power when we intercede in tongues. Why many times the Bible says we are speaking mysteries. Mysteries is not God doesn't have it as a mystery. We are praying Things from the heart of God. When we pray with the gift of tongues, we are taking a part of what God knows and we are partnering in prayer with heaven's intercession. Hallelujah. How many of you want to pray like that? The Bible says in verse 27, Romans 8, 27, for when we pray like that, the Bible says we are praying according to the will of God. How many want to pray according to the will of God? Now, this is what the Bible is saying. If you don't know how to pray according to the will of God, just pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit helps you to understand. The fifth kind of tongues we see is angelic tongues. The Bible says if you speak in tongues of men or angels, 1 Corinthians 13.1, there may be tongues of angels. We don't, we don't know. But I want you to know there are diverse kinds of tongues. And this gift of tongues, the fundamental one that we receive with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we saw in all the accounts in the book of Acts, is a prayer language given to every believer. Amen is for every believer. And that is a gift where he prays between him and it doesn't need interpretation. It doesn't have to be a message to the church. It doesn't have to be heard by somebody and understood by them. That tongues is a prayer language. Hallelujah. That's why God wants, if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you must enjoy a spirit-filled prayer life. The 15th Sign of walking in the Holy Spirit. Sign of walking in the Holy Spirit is that you will have encounters with the Holy Spirit. Just as much as God gives you a prayer language, God wants you and me also to walk in an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Peter was sitting on top of, 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 of in Joppa, in, in, the, in the top of the terrace, and there he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, John the Beloved, and on the day of the Lord I was in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Every child of God can have a Holy Spirit encounter. 
Brother D.J.S. Dinakaran says, he says how, while he was praying one day, he was caught up to the heaven. Seven hours, he was caught up in the spirit and God showed him things that changed his life. That propelled him out into the ministry that he did for the rest of his life. If you and I don't have Holy Spirit encounters from time to time, we will have the knowledge of God, but not experience the power of the Spirit. We need to live a life that has, that living a life in the Holy Spirit encounter. Paul was out there in, in, first, in Second Corinthians in chapter 12. Paul is saying, I know of a man who was caught up to the third heaven. Many scholars say that people wrote like that because Paul was speaking about himself. He was saying, I know of a man who was caught up in the third heaven. To have a Holy Spirit encounter, a Holy Spirit encounter can change the entire course of your life. A Holy Spirit encounter, you know, in our, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, I said in Hindi to people, I said, Dimaki Bhatti Jal Somehow someone turned the lights on. Everything just came alive. I couldn't explain it. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when you begin to walk with the Spirit of God, something happens. It's not dimaki ki bati, dil ki bati, atma ki bati. Everything inside of you begins to come on fire for God. You'll have an encounter. God wants to give you encounters with the Holy Spirit. I believe every child of God must have an ongoing encounter with the Holy Spirit. You can't live with an encounter that happened 20 years ago. You need a now encounter on your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the last sign of walking in the Spirit, the Bible says, is that you will walk in the love of God. One of the signs of a Spirit-filled life is that you will love people. Many times we struggle to love people. We say, I don't like him. God says, it's okay if you don't like him. You can just love him. Amen. You don't have to like somebody to love somebody. Because like has to do with someone's qualification. Love has to do with the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of you and me. The Bible says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. It has nothing to do with liking somebody. It has nothing to do with that person being nice or kind or understanding. It has to do with us growing that fruit inside of us. Romans 5 and verse 5 says, For God has poured His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which means when you and I are walking with the Holy Spirit, we will walk in love. John 13, 34, 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you would love one another, that the world would know that you are my disciples. Jesus is saying, I want the world to know that you are my disciples by this one sign, that you love one another. That's going to be love. Just as you love one another, the world would know that God loves the world. God loves the lost. And it's my prayer today, even as we are closing these three signs, that you would pray in new tongues. You'll have encounters with the Holy Spirit. And you'll go out and love people. You know, when we love people, we go after them. We'll go after some of the hardest people. Because if we are not the source of love for them, then who's left? If they don't see God's love through us, then through whom would they see God's love? And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to dust that, do that in your life and my life today. Every eye closed, even as we pray. Oh, just begin to open your mouth and pray in tongues right now. Those of you that have received the gift, others, those who desire, just, just, just believe and desire right now. Spirit of God, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. 
Go ahead, go ahead, pray in the spirit right now. Lift your voice and just worship him right now. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, pour your spirit out upon your people, O God, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, even as they're desiring. Hey, Lord, just pour out your spirit. Let them be filled. Let them be filled with a fresh gift. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their life, O God. Even as they desire... Even as they desire, Lord, release this gift. Let them pray in tongues. Let them be edified on the inside. Hallelujah. We praise you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. We thank you. Father, I pray today. Let there be greater. Lord, let there be encounters with the Holy Spirit. Even as the church goes back, as people go back to their places. Let there be genuine encounters with the Holy Ghost. Let people come back and say, I had a Holy Ghost encounter. That while I was praying, that happened to me. Lord, pour out your love, Lord. Pour out your presence. Pour out your anointing. Fill, Lord. Fill the church. Fill the people. Fill the people in a fresh way, Lord. Let there be Holy Spirit encounters, Lord. Hallelujah. In their going out on the streets, let miracles happen. In their homes, let miracles happen. In their families, let miracles happen. Let healing happen. Let the outpouring of God happen. Let joy a sign of walking with the Holy Spirit. Joy. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Fill your people with joy, O oh God. Fill your people with joy, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we also finally commit, Lord. Father, let the world know that we are your disciples. Even as we walk in love. They see we love one another. And Father, I just know that, Father, this is the final foundation. No matter what, whatever we have. Father, if we don't walk in love, we have nothing. We're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I pray, Father, according to Romans 5.5, pour your love into our heart. Teach us to love people that are difficult, Lord. Teach us to love our enemies. Teach us to love those that have been unkind. Teach us to love those that have... Lord God, been able, unable to honor, Lord, us in, in, in ways that they should have or could have. Father, bless them. We commit them to your care. I commit the church, Lord. I pray we will live, be a community of people that lives in the Spirit, walks in the Spirit. We give you the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said loud, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.